0: the Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery, where every death had a life and every life had a story. My name is Jenny Johnson. Hello, and I'm Diane Hartshorn. And Diane, we have spent the last week or so in yeah. between work and in between the podcast and in between everything else, um, planning our October event for here in Colorado. So for Colorado listeners who love our cemeteries, Mm -hmm. who live in the Denver, Colorado Springs, Pueblo sort of area, we will have an event coming up
1: October 8th and 9th at Evergreen Cemetery. And it's going to be an an event that has never taken place before. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing.
0: It's going to involve a little bit of history, a little bit of Colorado history. Mm -hmm. It's going to involve several stories and poems written by Edgar Allan Poe. It will involve Poe himself a little bit. And Mm -hmm. actually one of the coolest things when I was, I've been working on my end of things and doing a research. So he died on October 7th of whichever year that is. And our event is the eighth and ninth. So it's almost on his death anniversary for anybody who's interested in that side of things. So if you're in the Colorado area, if you're in the Colorado Springs, especially Denver, Pueblo, any of those areas, as we get more things put together and we get it more organized, we will definitely have more information for you, but keep your calendars clear for either October 8th or October 9th to come to Evergreen Cemetery in Colorado Springs to do some Edgar Allan Poe spooky stories and some ghostly Colorado Springs history and all of that good stuff. It's going
1: to be so much fun. And the most important thing is it is a fundraiser for Evergreen Heritage, which cares for Evergreen and Fairview cemeteries in Colorado Springs, because with COVID, they were unable, all their fundraising events were canceled. This is why Jenny came up with the idea, and we've been sort of hashing it out, and it's going to be... I think it's just gonna I'm I am so looking forward to I it. think it's gonna be fabulous. It's an yeah. idea that, like I told Diane when I first pitched it to
0: her, it was an idea I had in my head for a long time, didn't know exactly how to pull it off. But then we were talking about Evergreen and Fairview Cemeteries and their need for a fundraiser. And I said, Well, this is how we can pull it off now. Mm-hmm. So we're just, you know. It's the best of both worlds. We're going to have the top Victorian horror stories and we're going to have Colorado history and we're going to have a cemetery, of course. And definitely, yeah, it's going to be so fantastic. So listeners, keep your ears open as we start to get more and more things put together. We will keep handing out those details for you, but definitely mark your calendars for October 8th or 9th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we get more details, we will let you know. So today's episode was inspired by a Facebook post um, I recently saw in a Facebook group that's dedicated to Forgotten Cemeteries and specifically Forgotten Cemeteries of Georgia. Of course, I was intrigued and I began researching right away. And the cemetery we will be talking about is an unnamed cemetery, or at least nobody knows what it was called originally. Um, And it is located at Indian Springs State Park, which is in Butts County, Georgia. And very little is known about the cemetery, but I am hoping that this episode may help to draw some attention to it and help create the funding necessary for its research, preservation, and future upkeep. But before we get to the cemetery, we have to cover some of the history of Indian Springs
1: first. So according to the GeorgiaStateParks.org website, Indian Springs State Park is a natural artesian spring and has been used by generations of people for its flowing mineral water. That some claim to have homeopathic qualities. Produced by the pressure of the earth forcing underground water to the surface, the water at Indian Springs picks up many minerals during that process, leading to its unique sulfur smell. Known to Native Americans long before the influx of Europeans, the area has always maintained a steady flow of people coming to seek healing, Collect drinking water or recreate around the natural marble. Before
0: Indian Springs was a state park, it was home to members of the Creek Nation. Many tribes had settled near the Sulphur Springs as they provided not only a source of water, but the healing properties. Originally, the Creek Nation was a large confederation of tribes and chiefdoms that lived on lands that became the states of Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. The upper Creeks lived primarily in northern Alabama, and the lower Creeks lived in southern Alabama, western Georgia, and northern Florida. Contact between members of the Creek Nation and British colonists first took place in 1732, when an expedition led by James Oglethorpe discovered Yamakraw Bluff. Oglethorpe met with Chief Tomochichi, and in time Chief Tomochichi was persuaded to give up the bluff to the English colonists. The early relationship between the English and the Creek Nation was peaceable. They developed trade and commerce and even married into each
1: other's cultures. However, tensions began to rise between the colonial Georgians and the Creek Nation during the American Revolution. The Creek Nation had developed successful trade with the British. They were also wary of losing more of their land to colonists who were attempting to expand their ownership and plantations. During the war, Many of the Creeks sided with the British in the hopes that they would not be forced to give up their lands if Great Britain won the war. After the war ended, the colonists demanded that the Creeks relinquish all lands between the Ogeechee and the Oconee rivers as punishment for their former alliance to Great Britain. While the lower Creeks agreed to cede the land, the upper Creeks refused. Upper Creek leader Alexander McGilvery led his followers into various battles to protect their land, and as a result, gained the attention of President George Washington. McGilvery was persuaded to travel to New York City to meet with the president, where he ultimately agreed to relinquish the land between the two Georgia rivers in exchange for further compensation and assurances. And I'm just going
0: to pop into here to say that McGilvery and also another Um, chief that we'll get to in a moment, whose name was McIntosh, were both um, half Creek and half Scottish for both of them. So that's where those particular names come from, even though they were the chiefs for their tribes. In 1802, and again in 1805, the Creeks were pressured to sign treaties, giving up large portions of their lands west of the Oconee and Okmulgee rivers. In an effort to prevent further land loss, the Upper Creeks decided to side with Great Britain during the War of 1812. The Lower Creeks, in contrast, remained friendly to the United States. Angered by their loyalty, the Upper Creeks, also called the Red Sticks, waged war against the Lower Creeks. During this time, warfare was not only limited to the Creeks. White settlers and other refugees fell victim as well. General Andrew Jackson later defeated the Red Sticks at the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. The conclusion of the war in 1814 resulted in the Creeks relinquishing all their land in southern Georgia and eastern Alabama. William McIntosh,
1: a chief of the Lower Creeks, profited by acquiring several hundred acres of land through the involvement with the 1821 treaty and built the Indian Springs Hotel, which still stands across from the park entrance. Following the signing of the first treaty of Indian Springs in 1821, The upper Creeks who refused to negotiate with whites vowed to kill any Creeks who agreed to cede more of their land without approval from the entire Creek nation. Despite this ruling, William McIntosh and a small group of lower Creeks signed the second treaty of Indian Springs without consent in 1825. This treaty relinquished all remaining Creek lands in Georgia For equal acreage in Arkansas. Because of the nature in which the Treaty of Indian Springs in 1825 was signed, the United States President John Quincy Adams did not follow through on its terms. However, separate treaties over the next two years completed the Creek removal from Georgia. After a brief altercation in 1836, The creeks were rounded up and forcibly relocated to Indian territory. And I didn't put it
0: in these notes, but William McIntosh and some of his other um, tribe members were actually killed by the upper creeks for signing those treaties without permission from the upper creeks. And I forgot to kind of include that in there. So I thought I'd throw that in. Oh, good. I'm glad you did. (laughs) By the 1870s and 1880s, Indian Springs, Georgia had become a booming resort town where Victorians sought the medicinal waters of the Sulphur Springs to cure all their ailments. The town included many grand hotels and railroad access. In doing our research, we came across several newspaper notices from across Georgia announcing that one well-to-do person or another was traveling to Indian Springs to take much-needed vacations from their everyday lives to heal their minds and bodies. Of course, the tourist industry also created a need for permanent residents to run the hotels, shops, restaurants, and conduct the everyday business of not only Indian Springs, but also the other
1: nearby communities. This, in turn, would recreate a need for cemeteries. As we stated at the beginning of this episode, very little is known about the cemetery located inside Indian Springs State Park. We can tell that it has been there since the 1880s based on dates on the headstones that are legible. There are many headstones that are broken and fallen. Many of them no longer have readable inscriptions. Much of the foliage is overgrown and as happened in many cemeteries, tree roots have competed with grave markers for ground space. However, it does seem there are descendants who visit on occasion, as there are silk flowers and other decorations left on some of the graves. In 2013, the Friends of Indian Springs State Park and the Butts County Genealogical Society were planning to work together to begin cleaning up and preserving the cemetery. However, according to an article published in the Jackson Progress Argus on March 25th, 2014, and I quote, work on the cemetery by the two local groups has halted before it even began. Until they can figure out who owned the cemetery, they were restricted from going onto the site to start cutting fallen trees, clearing the brush, removing leaves, and preparing the tombstones and fences. After much research,
0: the group learned that the property on which the cemetery sits was sold and deeded to the state of Georgia in 1952. As of 2014, the group was in the beginning stages of plans to do the work that needs to be done in order to save this cemetery. Funding was, of course, another barrier they were up against. According to the same article in the Jackson Progress Argus, quote, it's not uncommon to see grave sites and cemeteries on state parks but we don't have the funding to keep up the cemeteries. Judd Smith, the division's assistant region manager for Region 3, which includes Butts County, told the Jackson Progress Argus. Most of the time, it's up to descendants or community and friends groups
1: to take it over. Stephanie Linecombe, author of the Southern Graves blog, visited the cemetery in 2007 and was able to do some genealogical research on the Thomas J. Saunders family, whose plot has many headstones. She found that Thomas J. Saunders was born July 4, 1809, likely in North Carolina, and later married Elizabeth Patterson on June 14, 1838, in Butts County, Georgia. The couple, based on census records and tombstones, appear to have had 10 children. In addition to Thomas and Elizabeth, seven of those children are memorialized in the family lot at the cemetery at Indian Springs State Park. To read more about the Saunders family, please visit the Southern Graves blog, where you can find a link for it in today's show notes. While we were unable to
0: find more details on others buried in that same cemetery, we did come across several news articles written for the Middle Georgia Argus, a successful newspaper that covered the doings of the Indian Springs and Butts County communities during its resort heydays. We are sharing some of those stories with you to help you get a better feeling for who lived in the area and who may also
1: call that cemetery their final resting place. Thursday, September 10th, 1891, the Great Holiness Camp Meeting at Indian Springs is now in full swing and is doing a good work. On Sunday, nearly 5,000 people attended the services and the good spirit seemed to be in the hearts of the good workers. Large crowds attended every day and night. The meeting will continue till Friday. And consequently, if you are interested in attending that
0: particular camp meeting, they still do it every year and have been doing it in that same location since 1890. So wow, I'll, I'll, cool. have a, yeah, I'll have a link to it in the show notes if anybody's interested. Wednesday, November 22nd, 1893. About six miles south of Jackson, near Mount Vernon Church, lives Mr. Jack Waldrup and Mr. Ward. They live on adjoining farms and are close neighbors. For two years, these two men have been at outs, and many difficulties have arisen between them. Recently, Mr. Waldrop had bought Mr. Ward's farm, and shortly he was to move away. But a new difficulty arose between them by Mr. Waldrop's horse getting out and doing some depredations about Mr. Ward's premises. It is claimed that Ward made some threats that he would burn his neighbor out, and fearing that he would carry these threats out, Mr. Waldrope and his two sons posted themselves to watch their premises, and shortly after dark, saw their man stealthily creep up to their barn in his stocking feet. The younger man demanded him to halt, and a fight ensued, and Ward received two wounds, one in the back and one in the right shoulder. Dr. Kelly of Indian Springs was called, and he found the wounded man in a field near the barn in a badly wounded condition, and but little could be done to relieve his sufferings. He made several conflicting statements
1: concerning his being near Waldrup's barn with matches in his pocket. From the Macon Telegraph, Monday, March 28, 1887, death of husband and wife. The news reached Macon yesterday morning of the death of two well-known people of Butts County. The wife of Major Isaac Nolan, living near Flovilla, died early yesterday morning, and her husband died a short time thereafter from the shock, which it is thought ruptured a blood vessel. The funeral will take place today. Mr. Clem Williams, a nephew of Mrs. Nolan, left Macon yesterday afternoon to be present. Also
0: from the Macon Telegraph, Thursday, June 10th, 1886. As a piece of honest indignation, this from the Butts County Argus will pass even a civil service examination. Some low-life scamp or set of scamps stole two beehives from Mr. Drury Patterson on last Saturday night. Mr. Patterson and his wife are perhaps the oldest people in this county, Mr. P being 88 and his wife not far behind him. The old lady has been confined to her bed for 15 months, and we think that any man who is so mean as to prowl around at night and perpetrate such a theft on so defenseless people should be speedily brought to justice and the penalty of the law dealt out to them to its fullest extent, with a first class cow hiding besides.
1: <laughs> According to georgiastateparks.org, many of the hotels had burned, fell into disuse, or were torn down by the 1920s. That is such a shame. I know. In 1927, just two years prior to the stock market crash, the state of Georgia officially named the property Indian Springs State Park, making it Georgia's oldest state park. The difficulty of the Depression gave rise to President Roosevelt's New Deal and the origin of the Civilian Conservation Corps, or otherwise known as the CCC. Company, 459, came to Indian Springs and the CCC boys built the stone structure that still graze the land around the spring. The CCC boys are largely responsible for providing the infrastructure on which the modern park is built. And I also
0: believe it, as a result of all the fires that happened over time, there, that's the reason there's not a lot of records probably yeah. for the cemetery, because there's a good chance any records may have been in some of those buildings. And that's why people don't know much about it. Today, if you visit Indian Springs State Park, you can enjoy camping, hiking, biking, swimming, fishing, geocaching, and many other outdoor activities. You can visit the village at Indian Springs, which is home to a museum, shopping, restaurants, and a lovely outdoor amphitheater. And of course, you can visit the little wooded cemetery located inside the park and pay your respects to those resting
1: in one of Georgia's ordinary, extraordinary cemeteries. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Positive reviews help others who would enjoy our show to more easily find this. You can also leave reviews directly on our website, theordinaryextraordinarycemetery.com. And you can also visit us on social media. We are on Facebook and
0: Instagram at Ordinary Extraordinary Cemetery and on Twitter at Ord Extra Sim. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Until we meet again.